Hello, and welcome to another episode of Where's My Freaking Dressing Room, a podcast where we discuss the world of classical music and what things are really like backstage. I'm Alex. And I'm Helen. And today we are going to broach the fun topic of <laughs> singing teachers. Mm, <laughs> yeah, listen to you. Mm, so resonant. <laughs> so fruity today. <laughs> um, yes, thank you so much, everyone, for the deluge of comments. Some have likened it to <laughs> Noah's flood, you know, the great wave of comments. <laughs> From everyone, so much that you want to talk about. So, <laughs> literally been snowed under letters just pouring through the letterbox. It reminds me, you know, that bit in like Harry Potter where like all the envelopes are coming in from like oh, every yeah. entrance. That is, that is where's my freaking dressing room HQ. <laughs> it's tough. Yeah. In Mayfair, obviously. Uh, yeah. As Alex says, thank you so much for getting in touch. Um, you gave us lots of food for thought on the different topics that we could cover in today's episode. So we're going to try and cover like five or six things that we think um, are quite, I suppose, difficult issues in terms of singing, teaching, singing teachers and kind of education institutions that specialize in singing. So um just before we kind of get stuck into the main heart of the podcast, it's obviously like worth us saying thanks to everybody that got in touch. And of course, in terms of all the comments and stories you told us, everything is going to be as anonymous, um, you know, as it possibly can be. Um, I think, you know, the only things we're really going to name are our own personal experiences where we feel comfortable sharing that information. So if you wrote in, if you told us a story, that's going to remain totally anonymous. And thank you again for your generosity. Um, so yeah, I think without further ado, let's crack on. And um, we're going to start off with something that quite a few people mentioned. And um, it's it's an interesting one in terms of like how we would describe it. And um, you and I were talking about it, Alex. And what we wanted to describe is almost what you would call like the singing teacher cult. And it's that idea that various singing teachers have their their students and obviously you know there's a there's a loyalty there there is a desire to learn there and all those things are fantastic but then alongside that there's also this weird kind of almost pack like animal behavior which is like I'm in you're not in and I get you know all these kind of secrets and and information and you know I'm this particular teacher's people and you're not and I think something that was was mentioned kind of in line with that idea of the cult the kind of secrecy that surrounds said cult and and it becomes this idea of say a friend of a friend learns with a certain teacher but you that particular friend is never very willing to to share information about what happens in those lessons and it's that I think that secrecy and that kind of being quite closed off to sharing what happens in those lessons that can create this this slightly unusual attitude and and again this this kind of culty attitude that's like I am this person's pupil and that teacher is you know divulging to me the secrets and techniques of singing and I must keep them sacred and safe and private and Do I not share them Exactly. And I think I agree with a lot of the comments we received, which kind of said, sometimes that doesn't feel very healthy. It doesn't feel very supportive. And it doesn't really help to kind of create a, a kind of interconnected community of singers, does it? If every single singer goes to their teacher, 
has a lesson, but then never talks to anybody else about what the lesson was about for fear of, I don't know, what is it, giving away mm -hmm. the, the magical <laughs> secret of singing? And I think it can be it can be hard to well, crack that cult, if you will. And, um, you know, again, a couple of the comments we received where it can almost feel a little bit um, disarming sometimes when, say, you know, you're very kind of involved in the singer world. And one by one, more and more of the people you know are moving to the same teacher. But, you know, you haven't kind of caught wind of this movement. You haven't kind of had this idea of this shift in this change. And it's like, what's going on that you don't know about? What am I missing? Absolutely. What is this information that I'm not privy to? And I think part of that kind of, yeah, secrecy and privacy can can make us just feel a little bit, you know, you're on edge. You're not sure what's happening. Is there is there like a, a party in another room and you missed it? And I think in a similar vein of that kind of cult of, of secrecy, if you will, I think there are also other kinds of cults you know it's not just that kind of not wanting to tell people what's happening in your lessons but that there can be almost the complete you know other direction which is that kind of worship mm. cult and um again you know we had a couple of comments thank you very much for sending them in and i think this is something that um we might be a little bit uh aware of as well that people can be very um fanatical about their teachers and you know, for the people that have those attitudes and approaches, that is terrific because obviously you found somebody that you really connect with. You're obviously getting a lot from those sessions and all of those things are terrific. However, I suppose from my personal experience, I don't think I'll ever be in a position where I am fanatical about a singing teacher in that way, you know. I am always very... I'm always excited when I'm learning and I'm making progress, but I am very much aware that that my voice is my voice and and I'm the person that knows it better than anybody else. And yes, a teacher can can impart as much information in whatever technical way that they see fit, but at the end of the day, you know, this teacher isn't the making of me. I am the making of me. And you know, I'm I'm taking in whatever I can, but say they give you a technique and it and it doesn't work for you. I'm going to be the person that knows that. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be the person that's going to have to report back and be like, oh, this kind of feels a bit weird, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so when I, when I, when I, yeah, I'm happy to talk about this quite personally. Like when I experience almost what feels like fanatical cults surrounding certain teachers, I think I must say I, I approach them with a little bit of hesitancy because I, I think, yes, it's amazing that you, trust this person so wholly and you think that this person is the person that's going to take you to whatever level it is that you want to reach but um yeah and like you know these these singers who obviously it's great and and maybe we are missing out but i will never trust someone a hundred percent ever <laughs> um you know <laughs> i have to have some element of <laughs> life lessons <laughs> control yeah control love control so yeah i'm 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 at once both sort of envious of that but also very wary you know when you see it's really funny you can have a lineup of singers and people who know the teachers and their pupils will say like oh well that's classic like blah blah pupil because like they're doing like this certain thing with their jaw um, and it's like they're these great teachers. They are fantastic. Most of them, uh -oh, lots of them, um, are you know creating ninety nine point nine percent. 
<laughs> Sorry, that got me. <laughs> yeah, you see a line and you you almost see like mini versions of these teachers all with the same techniques and the same habits. Uh, and yeah, it's just, you know, there there is that that huge trust there which is which is amazing. Um you know, it's it's that sort of like worship element, isn't it? Yeah, I I know what you mean. You just said there that you're you're almost kind of envious of those people and mm. I think I feel that mm-hmm. way too I I mean Alex and I can sometimes be very cynical sometimes we're cynical most of the time Never. And, and a lot of that comes with this kind of yeah you know there's a con- control element in our lives there's a there's a <laughs> lack of trust element in our lives and you know that that goes just across the board in everything that we do and, and I think singing yeah I I envy the people that put full 100% confidence in their teacher but I also know I'm never going to be able to be one of those people that's just not the way I'm built that's not the way I operate my life experiences won't let me do that and um I am still a little bit you know unsure because like I've said before a teacher can know you they can know you really well but they can never fully know what's going on with your voice and I think a really important part of being a singing teacher and and a a really difficult part is yes you have the singing lesson where you go through the singing technique and you and you work on the pieces etc etc but it's like the crazy thing about the voice is we're using the voice all the time in a thousand other different contexts you know it's you're you're shouting at somebody Mm. over the road you are um on a phone call you are on a zoom call you are shouting at your boyfriend yeah just another day in the life but yeah all all of these different (laughs) things mean they're putting stress and strain on your voice the things that you eat and drink affect how your voice is going to behave so Yes, singing teacher, super, super, super important, of course, but there are a myriad of other things that will impact your vocal health. And I don't think your singing teacher can always possibly know your full life inside and out to make, you know, the the correct cause. And just a final point for me on this topic, you know, a long time ago, um, I was kind of building back up the amount of singing I was doing. And I asked my teacher at that time what a yeah what what a good amount of practice would be at that point and you know they they kind of said to me that um a student would be aiming to practice between uh, one to two hours per day singing oh wow now at that point i was maybe doing half an hour three times a week you know and it was gentle kind of working out you know the nuts and bolts of what was going on so I often think of that because I think in that particular person's mind, they were just giving me the stock answer of like, how much can you practice per week? Like, what's a good amount of practice? You know, if I'm in college doing my nine to five, what's the what's the time on that? So I'm not saying that that answer is wrong. But was that answer wrong for me? Yes. Yes, it was really (laughs) wrong. And, um, you know, I'm I, I, I would say I used to be the kind of person that listened to literally every word my teacher said because I I did trust uh a little more uh freely when I was slightly younger but um I think yeah you 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 get to know yourself better and as you do you start to listen to the information and take it in but you do have to filter it through like right what is actually good for me and where I'm at and what I'm doing you know it it does take a an element of common sense to filter information through and think like okay well that doesn't actually apply to me but you know of course you wouldn't know what my situation at home is like so blah 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 yeah. um but i think there is 
there's a funny sort of dependency that is sometimes cultivated, whether it's deliberate or not, um, both on teachers and coaches, actually. I mean, I remember like things like when I was um, uh, at college, music college, um, when you were in a coaching and and you, you were struggling with a phrase or something, the immediate response was, oh, let's just move on. Just take it to your teacher. They'll sort it out for you. Right. And it's like, oh, I just want to nail that bit now. Yeah. And I understand that the coach, that that's really important that the coach says that and doesn't try to like give you a lesson yeah. then and there. But also uh, the coach could say like, oh, you know, take some time, maybe try and figure out how, how to how to work those bars out yeah. like in your voice yeah. rather than just saying like, oh, take it to your teacher. Yeah. They'll sort you, they'll fix you. And that whole dependency on vocal technique and, and dependency on, on coaches as well. Yeah. You know, we get so used to, it's amazing having like three to five to 12 coaches a week. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, if you're working on just one small opera scene or something, you have, you know, so much input on 15 minutes of music, let's say. But it does mean that when you leave, it's like, oh, okay, uh, gotta gotta work all of this out myself, which I really enjoy doing. It was quite a shock to the system to suddenly go from all of that. Um, and there's very like a lot of hand-holding, essentially, you know, helping you bar by bar, learning it and banging out the vocal line so that you can sing along to it rather than teaching you, you know, you got to just like learn to read the score mm-hmm. yourself mm-hmm. and and get to a a reasonable level and then take it to a conductor or, or, you know, someone who you respect and admire to, you know, finesse Mm -hmm. Um, rather than like, you know, opening the book thinking, oh crap, don't know what to do. And then like having to fork out a lot of cash now, now that I've left to, to see someone to coach me essentially. Yeah. I think it's funny, isn't it? You would assume that at like a college or a, a conservatory or whatever, one of the parts of their teaching would be to teach you to become the kind of independent musician, as it were, i.e. so when somebody Mm. hires this singer, they're hiring that singer on the basis that that singer has the tools to, to, you know, bring together the full package. That's the score. That's the text, understanding their part in the plot. Mm -hmm. And, hey, we all have technical things that might be like our weaknesses or our tricky points. And... I think that's totally understandable that every once in a while you might want to pick up on an independent coaching and just be like, can we just work through some things that, you know, I've, I've been trying to, to nail, but I'm, I'm still not quite there. However, I think it's, and, and I, I agree with you, I think it is bad that we are taught to go straight to our coach, straight to our teacher, because often mm-hmm. there will be times where A, you can't afford it. B, they're not available. And C, the turnaround time is too quick for you to get those sessions in. So what do you do then? What are your what are your strategies? What are your plans to to learn this rep or get this role prepared or get this audition together if you don't have those external supports? And um I it, particularly with teachers, I I do find it funny that they can be really they can be really possessive, but at the end of the day, although they're fantastic teachers they're also doing a million and one other things you know they're probably teaching nine thousand other students they're also probably 
working in other areas of the profession, whether that's performing, whether that's, I don't know, lecturing, whether that's whatever. But it does mean that their time isn't hugely available. And so certainly from from my perspective, and I, and I think you're quite similar, Alex, you know, I've been trying to learn to stand on my own two feet. And, and so when people give me technical advice, I take it in and I think, right, you know, these are, these are kind of checklists now of things that when I'm struggling with repertoire, I want to start going through and be like, right, you know, is my jaw not so clenched? I can't open it. You know, like where the heck is my soft palate at? Like, is my tongue down the back of my throat? I don't even know anymore. Or like all of these little bits and pieces. Um, But yeah, like you say, I, I think, I think being told, oh, your teacher will fix that, it, it isn't particularly helpful because, as you say, it feeds it feeds this dependency and it diminishes our lack of agency as musicians because it's like, yeah, I yeah, agree. surely I should be able to gather the tools necessary to, I'm not saying fix every problem, but to understand you know, the, the basic issues of, of perhaps my, my singing technique and what goes on there. Um, yeah, as I say, because, you know, who's got 120 quid to fork out for multiple coachings and multiple lessons? Like, certainly not me. <laughs> no, I know. Like, I feel like my teaching was, like, I had amazing teachers. And I, you know, I think they're absolutely wonderful singers and wonderful musicians but I I ended up going through quite a lot just because they were never there essentially when I was studying which you know it's it's amazing that they're performing still and and doing all these amazing things and and you know they have so much wisdom to impart but it did mean that I was left really high and dry for a lot of the time and just like had to make sure that I was looking after myself properly because I don't know I think I think a lot of people view lessons as like you leave your lesson at a hundred percent or maybe not 90 percent let's say good technique good habits and then you know every time you sing you're you kind of forget a little bit more of what they said and you and you regress to old habits mm-hmm. so the next time you have a lesson you're kind of at like 20 percent um and yeah. say that's like every week so for those people who are so used to that, it means that if they miss lessons for whatever reason, they're busy or their teacher's busy, it yeah. means that they they get in a real fix. And they're like, oh, yes. I need to see my teacher because my voice isn't working and I don't know what to do. And it's like, that's crap. And I'm glad that from the beginning, <laughs> like I never really had enough very regular lessons to ever get into that state of mind which I'm very thankful for now um but yeah it's it's it does it does kind of scare me I think like feeding off what you're saying there again it always confuses me because I'm like surely you're trying to not you know have people leaving music college as a finished package but you are trying to teach people to be these working musicians and so it's like say somebody's uh I don't know hired for an abroad opera project that's four months long it's like right okay you you are now away from your teacher for four months and you by this point need to be cool with that yeah you can probably get particularly now you could probably get the old skype lesson or zoom lesson to to tide you over but you know there should be a point where you feel 
stable enough in what you do that you can go potentially you know for long periods of time without seeing your teacher and um uh, you know this isn't like us sitting here judging people that have really close relationships with their teachers because I get that and um you know the the teacher-student relationship is is incredibly important I think we're more just saying that the the industry is brutal and the nature of work that a lot of singers will be employed in is tough it's it's long days it's it's relentless. It is, yeah, you're away from home. You're having to work with a ton of other colleagues at the same time. You're probably in costume, et cetera, et cetera. And I suppose what we're saying is we'd like to think that teachers and institutions are building strength Mm -hmm. in their students, as opposed to potentially feeding a dependency that isn't going to, you know, be for the student's benefit in the end. Yeah. And, you know, I, I was thinking about what you were saying there, about kind of dependency and um at one point you said kind of about like taking care of yourself and yes. and b- because your your teachers weren't weren't always there and um yeah I I feel like probably this is like a fairly opportune time um for me to kind of mention that um I mentioned earlier that I don't have you know 100% trust in a teacher and uh, I equally don't have that kind of 100% dependency on a teacher and um yeah I think I'm sure a lot of people uh have probably heard me talk about this before but um I've had like a couple of quite severe vocal injuries um one was when I was 19 and one was when I was 20 39 no you're 45 remember come on <laughs> let's not pretend uh two injuries one when I was 19 and one when I was 26 and um I think it really is in those kind of difficult times you learn a lot about teachers and teaching and the nature of this industry in terms of how they handle recovery. Because let's be honest, like if you've got somebody that's a naturally good singer, they probably aren't that particularly difficult to teach because it really comes to them. It's just it's just a goddamn gift. But um, say you're working with somebody that's obviously like had some trouble, potentially developed some quite uh, complex habits. <laughs> Yay! Um, that's where you see teaching in action because it's about like unpicking problems and offering solutions. But also, you know, having said all of that, both my both my injuries happened, you know, whilst being with teachers at that particular time, and so for me. I really hold on to what you said there, Alex, about taking care of yourself. And I recognize that now. And I feel far more like aware of my voice. I understand my voice a lot better. I know when it needs rest. I know when it's like in good form. I know when my teacher might ask me to do something and I'm like, no, like that's not going to work for me. I'm not ready. Yeah, no. Yeah. Sometimes you're offered repertoire and you're just like, ah, that's that's not going to work right now. You know, when we said earlier that we were envious of people that have full, you know, trust in their teachers, I am envious in a way. But, you know, having had these past experiences, you know, where where injury comes along, it means that you you don't feel uh, you'll never feel fully dependent. Really, the only person you can depend on 100 percent is yourself because you're the person that houses this little instrument. So you're really the only person that knows 
how it feels, whether it's hurting, whether it whether it's whatever. And so, yeah, I, I think it's a shame that we feed that dependency on coaching and coaches and teachers and, you know, language coaching. It's like, do you have a friend that's Italian? Could you could you walk it through with them rather than paying £100 for a coaching? Do you have a friend that's French? Could you talk it right. through with them rather than, again, paying £100? And um, yes, I, I, I know exactly where you're coming from. Hi guys, Adele from Fuck My Life podcast here. Isn't opera the most beautiful and refined art form in the world? Yes. But did you know that the industry of opera is absolutely rife with sexism, racism, classism and exploitation and systematically scams its young professionals financially? No? I hear you cry? Well, at Fuck My Life, my co-host Ros and I are hoping to change that. That's right. Join us every Friday for deep investigative dives into shocking stories, scams and conspiracies of the opera world, not to mention interviews with some incredible activists. Our aim is to create positive change leading to a fairer industry for everyone in it. You may notice that we've named ourselves after Rosalinda and Adele from Deflader Mouse so that we can openly and unashamedly fight for the underdog singer and share our own funny and cringingly dreadful Fuck My Life stories in the process. So come and join our conversation. That's Fuck My Life, every Friday with Ros and Adele, everywhere you can get your podcasts. And it's it's wonderful that these institutions can offer all these coachings. I just think when we then have the classes about being financially dependent and financially secure, for me, those, those are the first things that I'm like, <laughs> well, they're, they're colossal expenses mm-hmm. that you're encouraging. But then you're telling me to pay my taxes, you know, <laughs> and kind of going from that dependency that kind of is, I would say, perhaps cultivated a little bit in the kind of college conservatoire environment. Um, something that, again, was quite interesting from people kind of writing in or tweeting in, whatever. Uh, and again, when I read some of these emails, you you identify with them because you think, yes, uh, you know, these things have happened to me, too. It's funny mm. that we're not talking about them more. But one of them in particular was you know, we we go into our lessons, we are taught uh, elements of technique based on probably pieces that we're working on at that time. And then the lesson ends, and you walk out, and you're left to your own devices for the next week, or however long it is until you see your teacher again. And a particular thing that came up in people writing to us was how, you know, often we're not really taught how to self-teach the technique that's being implemented in, self, in, in in the lesson. So it's like your teacher is telling you how to do a certain thing, kind of saying something at you in the hope that you start to understand it. And then you you leave the room and, and it's up to you to try and recreate what's just happened there. And for some people, they're very good at it. And, and they can kind of just get back into the situation and recreate whatever sensation it was they were having at that particular time. But for some people, it's a lot harder. and for some reason our lessons don't seem to teach us how to practice I had I had a lesson once and I came in and she you know my teacher kind of said to me what have you been doing (laughs) it's like practicing (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't understand like what what uh, yeah and and you know they were like 
your jaw what are you doing and I was like oh my god like I don't even think this is a problem what have I done and it's that element of you know I'm a very a very diligent person I like to put my hours in Mm. because I want to get better but it was I'd gone away and I'd made another problem worse because I was really trying to double down on this particular thing and every single student's difference what every single student needs is is completely different but why aren't we taught some basic elements of how to practice independently because it's such a core part of what we do yeah agreed and I know I know lots of people who when they're practicing they essentially well they've recorded their lesson with their teacher which is great and they essentially do the lesson again yes on that yes they just listen along to the recording and do exactly the same thing because it's like oh well I can't I can't do it without the prompts from my teacher And, you know, that that's exactly the same. It's like, oh, so I, I literally cannot practice without With your guidance. voice in my head. Yeah. I, I guess the voice is just so it's so complicated and weirdly mysterious still. People still don't fully seem to understand how it operates. I don't know. Or, or you know, and there's so much imagery and trickery and mind games yes. in order to, to make your voice do certain yeah. things. And those you know, those are great, obviously. And, and it's so much easier to have to have an image of something bite that peach mm, yum, in order to like raise a, a muscle, raise a soft palate or something that we don't really that we can't feel and we can't do ourselves. But at the same time, it would be great for the teacher to say, oh, I'm saying this because physiologically, this is what's going on. Yes. And this is what we need to happen rather than the like, oh, well, you know, I'm just doing classic peach technique on this bit. What does that really mean? Yeah. Going back to the cult thing very, very briefly. And, you know, you you know people who are with a certain teacher and say they're all five together. They, they all speak the same language, language of that teacher. And it's, it, yeah, it's totally incomprehensible to someone not of that teacher yeah um because they're all like oh blah, 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 blah. you know you just do <laughs> this blah. that's that's what he says to do that's what she says to do yes uh and it's really odd it's really funny I'm like what are you talking about I'm missing out on this uh it's it's like this weird magic yeah that you guys have and I don't yeah. but then of course the, the cult around my teacher would be the same you know everyone's chatting the same sort of things and you know you just have all these like different schools almost it's not just one lovely centralized (laughs) this is the method no and it it never will be (laughs) but I feel like well I'm probably so totally wrong here but I feel like for instrumentalists there are maybe three great methods and and you subscribe to one of those methods maybe i'm so wrong there probably who knows like there's something there's something weird about the voice though isn't it like and and these teachers and ah there's there's something it's different isn't it to to instrumental teaching you can't quite put your finger on it and it was something we were talking about earlier with like you've mentioned there about people using all these blooming analogies and a thousand words to Mm. say what they're trying to say and i had a teacher for a while and uh you know just putting out there i hate analogies i hate imagery doesn't work for me and this teacher kept being like keep the fish swimming you've you've got to keep the ball spinning in the air and I'm like ball fish what is it pick one you're a seal or a walrus Mm. (laughs) (laughs) you know it didn't work for me didn't sing any better because you know that person's talking to me about a 
blooming fish or a ball. However, I appreciate for some people, imagery works. And, you know, I'll also say, like, having been doing this master's degree for the last two years, I feel myself and my current teacher are, we're working well, but we're working well because we've had now almost two years worth of regular lessons. Mm -hmm. And it means I feel that, you know, my teacher knows me now, like really knows me. And she makes assessments about how I'll approach music that are absolutely correct. And um, in a way, it's nice when you when you hear her say those things, you know, uh, she was actually talking to me the other day and she was like, I know you're really impatient. So I haven't given you this piece of rep. <laughs> um, and I was like, it's true. I am really impatient. And thank you for not giving me that rep because she was like, you know, it's not it's not the right time. You know, we're in lockdown. I know you're struggling a bit, so I'm not going to give you something that's literally going to feel like a brick wall. And I was like, thank you so much. And thank you for, for thinking about that mm-hmm. when you've decided to give me some music to work on. Now, obviously, again, teachers have got a crap ton going on in their lives. It's not like they're just here to serve us. I, I fully understand that. But, you know, it's it's about finding that teacher that that is able to kind of get to know you and work with you well yeah god yeah that's (laughs) it's so nice that you've got to such a stage with your teacher and you know it's got to be a sort of both both parties have to lead the session in many ways you know the teacher needs to react to what the pupil is like on that day and and what they're like personality wise and also the pupil however should sort of take the reins of the lesson as well what I try to do now is you know I go into my lesson with these are the things that I uh, that I want to look at you know I have a checklist of four five 25 things that I want (laughs) to you know I'm not quite sure how to do how to deal with so (laughs) so I want to do these passages um and of course as as we sing the piece and and the lesson progresses other things are thrown up of course but at least yeah, I go in with a very clear idea of at least some things that I want to be better at and and try and conquer afterwards so that it's not a blank canvas for the teacher to work with and say, okay, let's just hear how you're sounding today and, and see what happens. It's like, I'm giving the teacher some structure to the lesson, yeah. whether they like it or not, sorry. Um, and then, you know, of course, of course, all the other problems that are going hand in hand with them, the teacher will sort out as well. No, I was just going to say, I think it's quite a good organisational technique because, you, you know, you see your teacher however often you see them and say in those weeks in between and you come up with things and you're finding you're not able to solve those problems. I mean, I think kind of like you, I... I start to write a list, you know, I'll be like, okay, I want to look at this piece. And then maybe I'll see that there's an audition coming up that I'd like to go for. And I'm like, okay, might be good to talk about that and just see, you know, what rep we think might work. And then maybe something really terrible has happened to me. And I'm like, definitely should bring that up. You know, that sucks as well. So yeah, there have been a, a few times where like we've started the lesson and I'll just be like, okay. And I've got like a list and I'm like, these are the things um, we need to discuss today. And I remember doing it once and my teacher was like, okay <laughs> and I was like is this weird is what I'm doing weird yeah but I was like you know surely this is a good idea like I'm bringing to you things I I directly think you can help me with but I also know you know sometimes I'll do that and I'll tell them this list of things and they'll just be like moving on I would like to look at this aria and it's like <laughs> that's that that's the end of my suggestions also I guess like 
obviously it's so great at music college having the regular lessons but like I did take it for granted I know mine weren't so regular but like you know and and it's like oh god I have a lesson tomorrow morning oh like make sure I have a piece for for the lesson so it's only leaving I really value that productivity Uh, yeah exactly you know I gotta make the most of every lesson because if they're like however much for for 45 minutes to an hour we are awful (laughs) yeah we are (laughs) oh my god literally that's me I'm just like I've got to make the most of every minute of this degree and it just means like this self-imposed pressure of being like, every second is precious. It is, it is so crippling. God, we're free. We should not be doing this. Yeah, I, I don't scrap all of the advice. Have we given any advice yet? Nope. We just, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. It, it gives you reasons to practice in a way. It gives you reasons to drive yourself forward because you're like, okay, well, I'm going to present this, present this, present that, whatever. And that's not the same for everyone, but I, I'm very similar. Like if I'm going to a lesson, I want to be like here, you know, I've, I've worked on something I'd like you to, to guide me through it or whatever. Yeah. And I, I think kind of on this topic, I think this feeds quite nicely into a couple of other comments we had back, which were quite specifically about changing teacher mm. and um, how incredibly difficult that can be. Something I found interesting was, you know, we got people of different kind of stages in their musical careers talking about changing teacher and every single time it was incredibly difficult because Mm -hmm. and I think this ties into actually a lot of the things we've been talking about you know this sense of cult that surrounds teachers the dependency we have on teachers means that when you perhaps are thinking about a change or when you're not feeling particularly comfortable in your teaching situation Beginning those conversations of being like, hi, this isn't working for me. I think I need to move can be really difficult. And um, I'm quite happy to speak from personal experience on this one. Um, Yeah, when I was 18, 19, starting at university, um, I was working with a teacher. And I would say I went from a really particular style of teaching when I was much younger, which was quite a driven style of teaching you know it was very much like there's more you can give more you can do more (laughs) wow and that's what's made me what I am today Um, but it was it was it was incredibly driven and then you know you go to university again an incredibly driven environment and I was working with a teacher who for me was almost the direct opposite of that and was encouraging encouraging me to take time and to go slower and at that time, I was not interested in that. You know, I was 18. I, I just arrived at university. I was I was terrified, but I also wanted to do well. So I was like pushing myself to do my, you know, my absolute best. And this teacher wasn't working for me. And um, I asked at the end of my first year to change. And I suggested somebody I would like to work with. And um, they told me I couldn't change. Everything after that was incredibly mm. uncomfortable because I was then having singing lessons with a teacher that actively knew that I didn't want to work with them. And every time I went, I felt really awkward. Everything about that relationship and dynamic became really tense, false and politely pleasant because we're both just there like, okay, well, let's work on this. And I'm standing there thinking, I don't we like... hate each other. Yeah. 
I'm not saying that this was a direct kind of cause and effect situation, but you know, in, going into that second year, I I ended up that was when I suffered this really big injury. So we stopped having lessons anyway. Perfect. But um, you know, <laughs> it was it wasn't it wasn't helpful. I was going to say, like, what was the actual reason that they gave? Why couldn't you change? Oh, it was inconvenient. <laughs> wow it is you are inconvenient yeah how is that even a reason and I do remember I had suggested I would like to work with an external teacher somebody that had been recommended to me and so I I'd suggested that person and they were like that is really difficult that's really difficult for us to arrange and I was like okay another teacher then and they were like well we just think you know you know keep you know keep trying with with this teacher and I won't lie, there have been a number of situations with that university where they told me I couldn't do what I wanted to do. And, um, you know, looking at it now, I would fight a lot harder for my for my rights and my voice and my choices. But at the time, I was so like, OK, whatever course, you say yeah. is right. Yes. But anyway, the long story short of this is, you know, that changing teacher process was absolutely horrendous. And I knew that that teacher was really bothered that I didn't want to work with her. And in a way, I understand that. However, this is a professional situation. I am paying you for some lessons. Now, if it's not working for me, I'm fully entitled to be like, thanks very much. This has been great. I'm, I'm you know, going to move on and try something different for myself. You know, I, as as I'm saying, you know, we we got some letters. We had some comments of people in a variety of situations that you know teachers were really offended personally and that doesn't seem right to me because at the end of the day it's a professional engagement you're not friends you're not family it's essentially your colleagues and as in a in an alternative work situation you know if somebody's not working for you in the in the office or whatever <laughs> So smooth there, office terminology. Office life. Um, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) If somebody's not working, things change. People move on. You know, people go and get another job. People go and work in a different Mm -hmm. office, whatever. That is the smoothest analogy I've ever come up with. You love analogies. But um, why is it not the same? No, agreed. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's like... It's like a divorce, isn't it? When you... What you go through and not not only with the teacher, but also with those other students who you were in that cult with, then it's like yes. you're shunned. You're like, the yes, PI. it becomes gossip. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Why is it gossip? Well, it's like our lives are so boring, but you know, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's like, oh, well, it's a bit awkward to talk to you because you know, our, t- our teacher's so cross with you. So we can't talk to you. It's disloyal or something. It's like, no. You were saying that it becomes difficult with the teacher and the other pupils. I was also going to say it becomes a bit uncomfortable with the institution as a whole because you're asking to do something oh, yeah. that they don't really want you to do. And um, again, you know, we had a couple mm-hmm. of comments of people that were like that the admin side of things were really quite hesitant and quite, you know, reticent about about putting that into action when at the end of the day particularly once you're here at a postgraduate level it's like you are paying a huge amount out of your own pocket essentially to attempt to finesse your craft you're telling me that I can't change teacher because it's not working for you but this isn't working for me yeah it's mental absolutely and also sometimes 
if you're some people do undergrad, then postgrad, then opera school or something at an institution. So they could be there for, I don't know, six years or something. And a lifetime. Yeah, yeah. From a good friend of mine, I remember halfway through their postgrad was like, well, I'm a very different person from how I vocally and, and as you know, personality wise from what I was like when I started undergrad with this teacher and yeah. now because I'm so different, I need to change. It's not, yes. it's not that I don't get on with them anymore. It's not, it's not like a personal problem or anything. It's just like I've grown up and yeah. I, I just need a fresh start. I need to move on. So I feel like I'm not like bringing all of that undergrad baggage with me. Um, and oh my goodness, how many problems did that create? At the end of the day, it's your choice. That's, that's the long and short of it. You know, it becomes just like, what have, what has the teacher done wrong? And it's like, they don't have to have done anything wrong. Mm. It's more just, I need it's something. It's to do with them. Yeah. Uh, you know, it makes me incredibly angry that, you know, institutions kick up such a fuss about people changing teacher because it's like, you should have the student's best interests at heart. And if that student is saying to you they don't want to work with that teacher, that's it. Because, because that already means mm-hmm. that relationship doesn't work. And for you to suggest that, oh, if you could just stay with whoever you had when you were an undergrad, or if, oh, if you could just keep going and kind of doing what you're doing, because it's, it's a bit annoying for admin. Um, that is a really toxic kind of situation to, to keep those students in. So I think, you know, obviously we haven't covered anywhere near everything that goes down in terms of like teaching, relationship with teachers, relationships with institutions. But I think it's worth us kind of, closing this particular episode up by saying like singing is such a personal thing and I think that is partly because you can't see the voice the voice is housed inside of you you use your voice all the goddamn time some people more than others everybody's voice is unique and um, I think that therefore means that being a voice teacher is quite a tough job and obviously, like, we have a huge amount of respect for mm-hmm. singing teachers because it's not easy. And, you know, to go from working with somebody that has a natural born talent to somebody that maybe can't even read music to somebody that perhaps has 9000 technical issues <laughs> that they're going to have to unpick. Um, it's it's an incredibly varied job. But, it, you know, I think it therefore means that if a student is trying to assert something such as needing a change such as needing well really to become more independent as a singer all of these things these are I think things that shouldn't be perceived as gossip they shouldn't be perceived as troublesome I really think this is an important kind of area that our industry needs to kind of wake Mm, up to and, and see that we need to teach our musicians to stand on their own two feet like I, I guess what we're really trying to say is like it's so personal the voice only you really know what it feels like yeah. and what's going on in your life you know something could be troubling you mentally something could be troubling yeah. you physically you know it all has a direct impact on how you sing so like yeah. maybe what we're trying to say is like it is the owner should be on singers to take more control of that or, or just take more responsibility all righty i think that brings us yeah, to the close of, uh, I think for us, quite a, a tricky episode to bring together, um, but also like a really important episode for us to bring together because 
this is something that really, really affects us. And it really, really affects our industry. And it was a real joy to hear from so many of you with your thoughts and comments and feedback. And um, this isn't about bashing teachers. This isn't about bashing students. This isn't about bashing institutions. This is more just about opening up conversations that I think sometimes we're a bit uh, hesitant to have. But really, these are really important conversations. It's important that students get what they need it's important that you know teachers are able to understand their students and and work with them as productively as possible it's important that institutions understand that the student is the paying customer and really their choice is the bottom line that should be it (laughs) also um you know this has thrown up actually many more things this discussion than you know shock we we sometimes plan vague outlines of what we sort of want to cover in an episode and (laughs) and I've never had a conversation like this you know I've opened up and it's thrown out many things that I didn't expect to be covered so yeah there's there's obviously like a lot more to say and and everyone has a lot to say and it it really would be great to you know have this conversation more maybe not with you because you're boring but you know with with people (laughs) for now we're gonna love you and leave you so thank you guys so much for listening um if you do want to get in touch with us about anything you've heard please do feel free to head over to our website um it's www.wheresmyfreakingdressingroom.com we have a lovely email which is wheresmyfreakingdressingroom at gmail.com and then catch us on those sweet, sweet socials. Uh, we're on Twitter at Dressing Room PO1. We're on Facebook with forward slash Dressing Room Pod. And we're on Instagram at Dressing Room Pod. Yeah, please do subscribe if you like. Please give us a review. You know you want to. Keep getting in contact. Yeah, thanks so much. It's been so fun to hear from so many people and um, we we want more. So let us know what you think. Alrighty though, for now, it's time for us to depart. We'll, uh, we'll be back soon. Ciao, ciao. Bye. Bye.